Well, welcome back, everybody. We're going to jump back into where we left off in our last episode. We were discussing the five love language yeah, book. And knowing and your spouse. Knowing your spouse and knowing yourself. Yeah. Because not only do I want to know my spouse's love language, I want to know my own. Yeah. Partially so I can help my spouse know how to help me feel loved. It's not just on their shoulders, but how do I help you love me and you help me love you? Yes. Rather than assuming they should just know, right? So we've talked about the first three. Uh, today we're going to talk about the final two uh, love languages, which would be gifts and touch. Mm. And so since this in particular love language, gifts, well, would probably rank as one of your highest. It, yes. Why don't you go ahead and share a bit So like about I that. said, so in the previous episode, we've talked about words of affirmation. Yep. We talked about um, quality time and we talked about acts of service. And I said in the previous episode that I am like, Four out of the five of these yeah. love languages rank very high for me. Acts of service not being one of them and acts of service being your highest and the other four not being as high for yeah, you. And this one's really difficult because it involves money. Yeah, Well, sometimes. it's not just money. It's gifts, which <laughs> does not even rank for you, which is really funny because even though I'm a words of affirmation girl and a quality time girl, gifts is really high on my list. Yes, it is. So this has been an interesting one for us in our marriage um, because when gifts are one of your biggest love languages, then I feel love, I receive love, and I often give love um, through gifts yeah. because if you're a gifts person, you most likely um, feel that love because somebody took the time to think of you throughout the day or to go purchase something and they use their resources, which yeah. would be finances to invest in you in something that they feel would bless you or make you happy over something else. So I know that's been a they challenge. Put they it. put they, thought into yeah. it, but then they also chose to use their money or resources yeah. to invest in that. And it was, so then you're a priority. So let's be honest about that because we know, and we, we don't want to assume all gifts have to have money right. involved. Right. Um, and we, you know, a child makes you a drawing. Um, a husband can write a poem or a wife can you know, make something simple that doesn't have to cost a lot. And it does touch you deeply. Very much. But... If you have the resources. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, but we don't talk often that there is a, there is something about actually spending money sometimes. And yeah, or often. <laughs> or often. Or often. Or often. Yes, because then it... Because I feel valuable. Like you took something, you know, God loves our offerings, right? Yeah. And it's an act of worship to the Lord as well. And so when you take of your resources and, and you invest them in something to bless me or to give a gift, then I feel like I'm valuable. I'm important enough for you to invest your resources yeah, in. And cool. I receive love very much that way. And you've done that a couple of times. Um, it, I remember in our marriage, it was really funny because Early on, I think we were walking through a grocery store one day, and um, I love flowers. Ladies out there, you know, not everybody loves flowers, but I love flowers. And I had just wanted some flowers. And girls, it's funny because I was thinking that I was communicating clearly to you um, 
about what I wanted, but you were just not getting it that day at all. And it was funny, we were walking into a grocery store and I saw some flowers. And so I said to you, oh, those flowers are beautiful. And you agreed with me. Yeah, I was like, yeah, they are. Yeah, you said they're beautiful. But every girl listening to this podcast right now knows exactly what I was doing, that I was clearly communicating in the female language of please buy me flowers because I commented on how pretty they were. I said they were beautiful. Yes, you agreed with me that they were beautiful, but it went right over your head. And so I was getting frustrated. So I decided to take it a little step further. And I was like, oh yeah, such and such got beautiful flowers the other day. And you were like, oh, did they? That's awesome. That's nice. Yeah, good You're for just them. totally oblivious <laughs> to what I was saying, which was so funny. Now it was funny. Then it wasn't funny. And so finally I looked at you. I will know. I think one more time I said, Oh, I even have a beautiful vase that those flowers would look good in. And you said to me, yes, it would, but kept walking and didn't buy the flowers. It was totally oblivious to you because investing or gifts were just not on the radar yeah. to you. This was not a Spending way to money gonna, on something like that or whatever. Yeah. Because it wasn't on your radar. And no. why would you do that? Because it's not going to make me feel loved. It wasn't necessary. Or, or I could say, Oh, they're going to die. Yeah. They're not going to be around. <laughs> this is like, you know, something yeah. that would be a waste. And finally I had to look at you and be like, I want flowers. I think you actually grabbed me by the shoulders, faced me face to face and said, buy me flowers. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, why didn't you say why ask didn't me for you just flowers? Say so why didn't in you the say first so? place? Yeah. No, anyway, which was funny, but I had to get to that point of of clearly communicating, which is a whole nother conversation about communication. But it was a love language that was important to me. Yeah. But then you've been so good even over the years to learn to speak that to where you'll be out and about and spontaneously. It's not always expensive. Although the Lord has moved on you a couple of times to do some things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, let's throughout marriage, most of the time it can be, you know, you have a certain dark chocolate peanut butter cup that you like, and I can bring that home or like you said, a flowers, you know, here, and you don't even ask for like the big, super expensive flowers. It can be the grocery store, Nineteen ninety nine. I mean, the pretty, the expensive flowers are nice too. <laughs> Every once in a while, I don't yeah. want to take it away. Don't take it away. <laughs> no, but it's the majority that you feel just thought of. It's just any any little thing that meant I took time, I yeah, thought of something, of I brought something home, or I thought of you and brought you something. But there is something about extravagant gift or a, 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 um, an occasional something that it costs more. And yes, there were. I think twice in our marriage that I remember we were sometimes money can have a stronghold on me. It just does. I don't like to part with it. Um, and then I had four kids and I don't have a choice. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you're partying like with it all flows. the time. Um, but I think that's a fear thing. Um, I think it's not having fear of not having enough or running out or, or whatever. And there were two times where the Bible says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. And twice I remember the Lord saying, you need you need to buy Maria a specific gift. And those gifts were a few hundred dollars a piece or a thousand something dollars in one time. And um, I was like, oh, by faith, Lord, you know, I'll do that. And it, it may seem to some wasteful, but it doesn't matter what it seems to anybody else. Like, you don't worry about what other people think. But to me, it was like, my marriage is worth this. And I don't want that fear to control our marriage and so I'm buying these because I love my wife and I want her to know I love her and she's valuable to me, but also I don't want fear to start dominating my marriage or the, our marriage, you yeah. know? And so there are reasons that God would challenge us, I think. And even in church, like, I love that you brought that 
conversation about God wants our offerings, right? Right. He wants your tithes, but he also wants your offerings. And there's times he's going to ask you to do something bigger because he's stretching your faith. He's, he's about to create something, you know, that, that money is not just about the money. It's about something that he's doing, you know, in your yeah. life. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So gifts are, gifts are a love language and it's something that we can cultivate and something that, you know, some of us may have, you know, the other thing is, is if your spouse isn't a gifts person and you're trying to buy them things, you're out and about True. and they may not be receiving love again. And, but you, you are a gifts person and you're constantly trying to give love that yeah. way. These are just little examples to yeah. just continue to be self-aware yeah. and to know your spouse. Well, and being self-aware too, then you don't want to, you know, like say something negative to your spouse for bringing you a gift. Like, why would you waste your money on that? Right, right. I mean, that would crush your heart because you were excited to bring me something, even though it wasn't necessarily my love main love language. I have learned to see it as you talking to me, you sharing. And, and I, would, I would hate to crush your spirit, you know, in that. But again, layer it into your children, right? Not just into your spouse. You wouldn't do that with them. That where love your gifts. kid will make you, yeah. <laughs> But your kid could make you something like out of dirt, mm. <laughs> you know, here's a mud pie, dad. And I'm like, well, what do I need that for? What a waste of time. You know, it's not worth anything or what. And it's like, if you look at it that way, like, why would I crush my kid, you know, in that you want to encourage that because you know, that means something to them. And that means something to you. It's powerful. So that great illustration between us as well. Well, this final love language is touch. Can I have your hand? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, and we want to talk today about touch and we're going to specifically talk about non-sexual touch, hugging, hugging, holding hands, putting your arm around them, um, showing affection in public. Mm. Like that's a big deal, you know, um, not like weird PDAs or anything, but like, like the sense of I'm proud to be walking next to you, that we're together, you know, um, that holding your hand is like showing the world that these two, they're, they have something between them, you know, um, your kids watching mom and dad touch, uh, again, if, if it's like awkward for your kids to see you give your spouse a kiss or a hug or to hold hands or something, we're doing a lot in our homes. Like we're also yeah. raising them on what's appropriate and expected. And if mom and dad don't ever touch, I mean... I mean, they know they touched at least once. They're here, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like not common and it shouldn't be that way because you want them to be able to express their emotions, you know, to one another and to feel like it's a safe place and it's healthy. But I think it also helps your children to know that the marriage is healthy um, and not on the verge of breaking down because touch communicates closeness. Touch communicates um, an intimacy, you know, a level of intimacy and, um, if, if couples are holding hands often, their arms around each other often, hugging often, then the, the battles they're fighting are not typically the big ones, right? Because there's a sense of freedom to be mm. close. Um, so all the walls and when people stop touching, there's a problem, right? There's, there's, it could be hurt. It could be, I don't trust that person anymore. It could be offense and stuff going on. And so a child at home can even feel unsafe. Like I haven't seen my mom and dad you know, touch each other in years, you know, yeah. but when they see them consistently embrace or want to be close to each other, then I believe it gives them a sense of security. And it is. Yeah. Touch is a very important part of marriage in general. Yeah. Um, but it is also a love language. Yeah. So it is a way that people, you know, to receive that love. If your spouse is coming up and putting their arm around you or holding your hand or giving you a little like love pat, 
Um, you know, there's times you come up to me all the time and have your arm around me or you, you're just holding me close or whatever. That's a way that I know that you give love, but I can receive love as well. And it's important to know if you are a touch person or if your spouse is a touch person so that you can be intentional about receiving that love. If you are not naturally a touch person, but you married somebody who is, then receiving that, pausing and receiving that love when it comes your way is a big deal. But then, (laughs) you know, like we have a child who is not a touch person. Yeah, I just went there. Yeah. and they're only ready. Like they'll, they'll come into the kitchen and throw their arms open. And when that happens, once a week. like once a week, right. Then we know, okay, now is the time for the hug. Right? Yeah, they'll open their arms it. like, all right, right. hug me. But there ahead. have been times I that I've gone up me. to this one and I'm like, no, we're, I'm hugging you right now, whether you want to or not. And they just put up with it because they understand that this is a love language. So it's kind of funny. So you have to train yourself and teach yourself um, and know yourself. Yeah. And again, I'm just thinking about conversations I've had through church and people and where, you know, a guy will look at me and say, well, my dad never embraced my mom. I never saw it. It wasn't modeled in my home. And well, your wife isn't your mom. Exactly. Your wife is not your mom. And do you want that marriage? You know, um, or do you want more? You know, you can become a touch person. Um, and you may not realize how much it does impact you and you enjoy it. You begin to, you begin to reach for your spouse's hand. It comes first nature. You begin to hold them close, um, you know, and embrace them. Even in times when times are tough, like if the only time your spouse ever feels your embrace is like, you know, maybe, you know, your parents pass away or a real difficult Mm -hmm. time, you know, you want to make sure you feel like a safe place and that's created consistently, right? Not just once a lifetime and, or just, you know, whatever. But, and, but this also does, will lead into a sexual, yeah, um, yeah. you know, co- kind of part of our conversation. Um, if, and I'm going to talk because I'm a guy, you can talk about the ladies if you'd like, but if a guy only touches his wife or only approaches her when he wants to have sex, right? right? So the only time he gives her a kiss, she's like, okay, he wants to have sex. Um, or he only time he brings her close is when he's excited or whatever. And then when he's, when they're finished having sex, he never touches her again. Yeah. Right. Like that becomes really offensive. It becomes almost like, like there's no connection until you want sex and, and non-sexual touch is why we wanted to focus on it. It's not a waste of time. It's like an investment into your, your unit, your intimacy. And so those days of holding hands and, those times of just giving a hug and not wanting anything else afterwards, right? Just to be held or to show love. Oftentimes it even opens your spouse up to saying, I would love to be even closer than this, yeah. right? But you don't want to get into a position where the only time you approach your wife is just to have sex with her. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and again, touch is a love language. So it's something non-sexual touch is a love language. So understanding how you give and receive love, and if touch is one of them, then it has to be not just connected to sex. Yeah. It has to be something that we're speaking. And I am a touch person. You are too. And I think we've, you know, we've grown over the years. I've grown, like you've grown, we've both grown in ways to speak that so that you know, consistently, because I think there was a season even in our marriage where like, I thought that I had this misconception that you were coming up and giving me a hug because it led to, wanted to lead to something, which maybe it did, but 
even understanding that that was you showing me that you love me. And now you've been amazing at speaking that love language all the time. So it's not just when, you know, there are some hopeful expectations on the other end of that. Yeah. Um, but again, it is a love language. And, and a good way to help not prove it, but to kind of see that again is this is human interaction. So even babies need mm. touch. Babies need to be held to feel loved, to feel close. They don't know how to use words yet. They have no idea and that what sticks with acts us of as we service grow up. are. Right. And so all of us, though we realize it or believe it or not, there is this emotion, this security, this yeah. relationship that's formed through touch. There's a reason many of us want a hug, yeah. you know, when we're going through something yes. or when we're celebrating something. It's because it's it's a way to communicate a love and affection for people, um, even in a non-sexual way. And let's go back to the judgmentalness. If a person is more of a less touch driven and more work driven, that they can feel like when their spouse is saying, I just need to be held or I just want a hug, that it's like, fine, I'll give you a hug. You know, almost like done with an attitude or Mm -hmm. Why do they need this? You know, they should just suck it up <laughs> or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But again, that's like telling, you know, a, a child they shouldn't need to be held or telling a, pl a plant you shouldn't need that. Right. Right. Which was really the, the final illustration to kind of help bring all this together is if you if you could imagine with me, those of you watching or you know driving your cars, if you could imagine with me or maybe you're working out on the treadmill, wherever you are, wherever you are. Uh, like I had pots of plants up here and I had one plant in the center and that plant was marriage. It was your marriage. It represented It marriage. represented your marriage. Um, it could also represent your husband or it could represent your wife. So it can represent whatever we're talking about in a moment. And then let's say I added another cup. Can I borrow your cup there for a minute? So I added another cup, okay? And if I had more cups that I added along the way, because that, that often is what happens. So this first plant, it needs sunlight, it needs soil, it needs water, it needs nourishment. It has certain needs, it has certain things to keep it healthy. All marriages have certain things, certain needs. It could be the love languages. Yeah. It, needs, um, it needs quality time. It needs words of affirmation, it needs all that. Um, and those needs, it could be touch. It could have other, all kinds of needs that a marriage needs. Um, and the fact that it has those needs doesn't make it good or bad, right or wrong. It just it's, makes it a plant. It makes it a plant. And I can't look at that plant and say, why do you want water? That's that You shouldn't want that water. It was the way God made it to work and to yeah, function. That's really or to cool. say that that marriage needs time. And you're like, why does it need so much time? That's so frustrating. Then you're mad at God who made that plant because that plant was made to need certain things for it to be healthy, right? Yeah. Well, same thing would be with your wife. Your wife has certain needs. She, she needs whatever, whatever these love languages might be or some other additional things. She has certain things that God wired her up that are required for her to be the healthy version of herself. That's good, yeah. And then a husband, he has certain needs, you know, and, and it could be the five love languages again. It could be other things um, that make him feel strong and make him feel healthy. And a, spouse, a wife can't look at her husband and say, why do you have that need? That, that bothers me that you have that need. If it's a God-given need, 
if it's in the design of the creator, then it shouldn't be something that we resent because your husband has that need. Right. He has a need for sex. Well, he shouldn't have that need. That's a perversion. Well, your wife actually has a need for intimacy and sex yes, as well, yes. non-sexual touch and sexual touch. Yes. And it does, it's not a deficiency in him because he has that need, though we might say, why well, should he have that need? Because God created us with that. Because, and that's what I want to say is like, if you look at that first plan of marriage, spouse, you know, wife, husband, that they have certain specific needs and the need for those things doesn't make them weak, doesn't make them broken. And us withholding those things will kill it. Will kill it. And thinking they should be able to be healthy without me giving it to it. And that's not that's not true. Just like that plant should be healthy without me giving it water. Like that's not gonna happen. I don't care what we want or what our opinion is, you have to give the plant what it needs in order for it to be healthy. But then the reason I brought another cup in is because now you have children or you have another plant that has other needs and responsibilities. And what happens sometimes in marriage is we could have four or five of these cups. I could have five, six cups lined up here. Representing now, different things representing like your things. job or yeah, job. church life. Your church or life. Diff- all that stuff. Your family, yep. you know, your extended family. Yep. Right? You have all these responsibilities that get added to your marriage. Now, here's my question. The fact that you added another plant, does it change the needs of the first plant? Does it, does it, does it mean like, because I have the responsibility of a second plant, does that give me the excuse now to not give the first plant its basic needs, its, its design needs? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's very good. See what happens sometimes people are like, well, I can't give my marriage time right now because I have kids. Mm. The babies take it, you know, or I can't give my marriage water right now because I got to give the water to the kids. And if you do that, then you're going to end up killing the marriage or killing your spouse in one way, shape, or form because it's designed to need those things. And God has to and will give you expanded capacity to be able to balance. Now, you may have to schedule things differently. Different seasons. Different seasons. You do it differently. Yeah, do it differently. So I, I acknowledge all of that. But your marriage, if it's going to be healthy, is still always going to require the basic needs. It's your spouse to be healthy will always require certain basic needs. And you can't use the excuse that I can't give quality time or I can't give words of affirmation or I can't give, you know, gifts or whatever, touch, because I'm so busy with the kids. Or I got a job and now my job gets all of my time. Yes. My job gets all of my work, you know, I'm too tired to go home and serve my spouse and take care of my spouse because I worked for my job, you don't have that option. Like you have to be able to expand and God gives you the ability to do it. And again, it's a, it's a balancing act. And there are certain seasons, like when you have baby babies and they take so much time, that season will pass and you will be able to, you know, have some privacy again, you know, one day. But what I'm trying to communicate is the needs of the plant, the needs of the marriage, the needs of the spouse, they're always going to be there regardless of how many responsibilities are added and they will be added. Life grows. Um, and you can't look at your spouse or the marriage as it should, it should sustain itself without it because I don't have the capacity anymore. That's just not fair. Right. Well, and it takes, this is where the intentional seed sowing and looking down the road to the kind of rocking chairs, you know, that you, where, where do you want to be sitting in those seats? Where do you want to be 50 years down the road and plan and planning towards that? If you're not sowing into that marriage, then it will, 
it's going to wither up if you're not yeah. get, providing it the sunlight, if you're not giving it the water, the nutrients, the tension, yeah. even the the pruning, some of the plants you have to prune, you have to do different things to it to make sure that it will thrive and survive. And I just want to hit that thing on seasons um, because different seasons of life and stages of life require different things. But watching over the years, we have more time, um, or I don't want to say more time now, but we have the capacity um, a little bit different to do date nights and things like that different now. But when the kids were young, it took intentionality. You know, when we were first married and we didn't have kids, we could do date night whenever we wanted. We had, you know, we worked, but then the rest mm -hmm. of our time was ours. And then we added kids, another plant in. And so then having to do find time for us, we had to get very intentional and in scheduling and like getting babysitters and mm -hmm. making it a priority, um, and, and being okay with letting the kids be with babysitters. Some people don't yeah, want to do shift. that. Yeah. That was a shift to allow yeah, that, that to happen. That doesn't make you a bad parent. You're not a bad parent. You're yeah. creating a stable marriage. But just doing those things to be intentional. And then there's different stages and seasons of life. But be, making sure that, the, that you're taking care of that plant and providing all the needs. And all the other things require things to thrive and survive. And they're not bad things. Like your church you know, involvement requires certain things, but that's how God designed us to be part of the right. body of Christ. So all of those things will take care of things. But if God's bringing those into your life, that means that he will, like you said, give you the capacity and there's a strategy and there's a way to do it. Yeah. The big lesson in that is pay attention, pay attention to each of those plants and are they getting the needs met? Um, because sometimes we're just like, so into our job, so into the kids. And it's just like, we neglect. Yeah. And that's what we don't want to do. We don't want to neglect this. This whole series is about marriage. And we do want to have a long-term lasting, healthy marriage. And there's not, there's not this, there's not this thing where I can just neglect the nutrition of the plant and it's just going to be healthy because I want it to be right. Yeah. You know, just like your body, like yeah. you neglect your body yeah. long enough it's going to break down and the plant isn't broken. It isn't wrong because it has specific needs that right. have to be met. And it's the way God designed Which it. Which goes back to the five love languages yeah. that your spouse, like understanding what you need, yeah. how you give and receive love and understanding your spouse, how they give and receive, receive love, how God has uniquely wired them yeah. and what uniquely in your marriage, it's not, it's not something that can be, it's not optional. Yeah. It's just like optional. that plant. It's right. a vital part. It's a part of the process. It's needed. Part of the creator's design. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at it that way, then you don't look at it like you're accommodating or like, fine, I'll do it. You're like, no, this is how God wired up. Yeah. He knows best. And I'll tell you on this side, it's so exciting. I'm so yeah. grateful to be 25 years into our marriage because all of these lessons that we learned and we like even going back to perfect, the, yeah. no, we haven't been perfect, but we've said yes to the Lord. Right. Yeah. And we've allowed him to work on us. Like I am not the same person I was when we got married 25 years ago. I have grown. I've said yes to the Lord so much. Um, and it's not easy to always do that. I've had to, we've had to learn each other. We've had to be willing to, um, prefer one another, which we'll be talk about all of those things coming up. But the marriage that we have now on this end is incredible. And I'm so thankful yeah. to God for that. Yeah. And uh, for a spouse who's willing to listen to my, to, to understand me and to know me. And I love the journey of going on uh, to get to know you. You know, and in closing on this session, 
I was thinking about Kylie, our daughter, being in college now. We have three more at home. They'll soon be on their journey. Not far from it. Not far from it. And, you know, if if we did neglect the original marriage plant, saying, no, we got to just only focus on the kids right now, and we didn't ever put anything in, at some point your children are going to move on. They're going to, you know, have different lives and families of their own, and then you're going to come back and you see that withered up plant there and the hope is is that because you've been nurturing all of those things that when they grow into something else that you have something still healthy you know that's been there and that you um, you're not surprised saying wow the years of neglect it showed up here it will show up and uh, we just want to make sure that we're being faithful remember a man's harvest in life or a person's harvest in life is based on the seeds that they sow and so we want to sow the good seeds for that preferred future so Good, good session. Awesome. Thank you everyone for watching again, and we look forward to our future episodes.